Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 13, 17 through 14, 4, called Divine Guidance and Protection. I just want you to see the promise here. And one day Jesus said, we will sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And so they set out from Sukkot, that's verse 20, Exodus 13, camped in Etham. We don't know where these places uh, were in the ancient world, but we know Etham was on the edge of the wilderness, so this would be leaving inhabited Egypt. And the Lord was going before them. How, how were they led? Well, he was there, was the Lord, in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And God did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, not only were they delivered with ten mighty plagues, but the very presence of God was among the people, manifested in something that's been called the Shekinah glory of God. Scholars would call this the manifest presence of God. This appears throughout our Bibles, and often God's presence would descend on the tabernacle and the temple. And it would be a way that God would make himself, you could say, somewhat visible, although the full glory of God would not be on display because no one can see God in his full glory and live. Go all the way to Exodus uh, 40. This is the last verses of the book. I want you to see the faithfulness of God. He never departed from the people. He led them all the way through. It says, Exodus 40, 34, the cloud, the glory cloud covered the tent of meeting, Exodus 40, 34. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. God led them in the way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me and guides me and He leads me to the places that he wants me to be so that I can be refreshed and encouraged and blessed. And I can even do things for his namesake. And so the Lord led them. And you could think, well, maybe there were some practicals like having shade in the desert, the the cloud and the fire, maybe for warmth. But the Bible doesn't specifically say that. It says the cloud led them. It was a visible way to say God wants us to go here or there. Here's an application for us. The Holy Spirit now lives in us, brethren. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you and then in you, John 14, 17. In 1 Peter 4, verse 14, Peter says that when you're being reviled, the Spirit of God, the glory of God rests upon you. And so that same power, that same light that led Israel by day and by night lives inside of you. And when you need direction, 
And when you are wondering, what should I do and where should I go? You are to walk by the Spirit. You are to walk in the light. Amen? You are to walk in the way. The same application is to you and to me. That same glory will lead you, will empower you, if you will allow him to lead you. A couple other insights. Look at 1419 of Exodus. A couple of just snapshots of things interesting about the cloud. It says the angel of God, Exodus 14, 19, who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. So we can see that the angel of the Lord was within that cloud or part of that manifestation. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Uh, Check out verse 24. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. That's our next message. We won't go there for now. I just want you to get a couple of insights that this is not just simply a fire from the Lord. The Lord is in the fire with the people, leading the people, manifesting his glory so that they would know that he was with them, that he was leading them, that he had not forsaken them. And this is going to be important because the way that they go seems confusing. Why not go right up the coast into the promised land? Well, God had another plan. And as I mentioned before, he knew what they were ready for. If you want to write down Romans 9.4, one of the uh, blessings that the Israelites got, Romans 9.4, was the adoption and the glory. And most believe that's the Shekinah, the glory cloud, or the kavod. The weightiness of God was there. Now, 14.1. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pi-Hahiroth, Exodus 14.2, between Migdal, which could mean watchtower, and the sea. You shall camp in front of Baal Zephon. That could be Baal of the north. He was worshipped in these regions as well, oftentimes on a mountain, opposite uh, it by the sea. So a couple of locations that are given there. Uh, If Migdal means watchtower, uh, what we probably could infer from this is that the Egyptians had watchtowers placed strategically throughout the desert. That would allow them to see oncoming enemies and to track Israel's movements. And surely what was happening is that there were people reporting back to the Pharaoh the movements of Israel. I'm sure he was still, you know, interested and, you know, curious about what was happening. And Pharaoh, God, God says this, when I put my people against the sea on the edge of the wilderness and against the sea, the Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, God anticipating now, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. He's going to get reports like this. And the wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, 14.4, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. That is, Israel moved in the direction that God had for them. And God was about to harden Pharaoh's heart once again. And God would be honored. Now you might say, well, who would be left of Egypt to know that God was the Lord? (laughs) Well, there would still be people left in Egypt. And there's probably some debate as to whether or not Pharaoh actually enters into the sea and is one of the victims as God drowns them in the sea. But whoever was left would know. But here's another thought. 
In Joshua 2, when they're going into the, the land of Canaan, Rahab the harlot says, we've heard about you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the sea and you passed through it. And we heard how you dealt with the Egyptians and our hearts melted in fear. See, through the caravans, there was talk about this mighty God of Israel. And God was honored both in the deliverance of his people and God can be honored in the judgment of his enemies. In fact, brethren, a day is coming when exactly that is going to take place. God is going to rescue his people and bring them into the promises. And there's going to be a day of the Lord judgment and he's going to judge his enemies. And he will be honored in all of the above because life is about the glory of God. And so in this final victory, God would gain the glory. It appeared to the Pharaoh as he got uh, word that Israel was wandering aimlessly, had no leader, but this was simply a battle tactic. When Jesus died on the cross, surely Satan and his minions had to be thinking, oh, we got him now. There he is. God the Son has allowed himself to die on the cross. Surely it's over now. But God used the cross as the instrument of his greatest victory, for us at least, and he triumphed over principalities and powers through the cross. That's Colossians 2.15. So God will sometimes put us in a tough spot that looks hopeless and he will turn it around for victory. And so Pharaoh would get the report. The king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. Well, surely he knew that, but he may have been in mourning. Remember his own firstborn son, the prince of Egypt, had died. Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, verse 5, that we have let Israel go from serving us? If you have an NIV, it says, we have lost their services. Oh, no, our slaves are gone. Now I got to make my own bed, cook my own pancakes. How do you work this shovel? What are we going to do now? Now, you would think that maybe a righteous people would say, oh, isn't it nice that Israel's finally free? We can figure this out. I can poach an egg. I, I can figure out how to do laundry. Some of you, your mothers are like, no, they, they can't figure it out. Anyway, that's a different story. But what do they say? We've lost our slaves. We, we, we need them back so they can serve us some more. This is how the mind that is debased can think about other people. Not that Israel's free to serve their God and worship him the way that they ought, but no, we need to re-enslave them for our pleasure. Do you know one of the major epidemics in our world today is sex trafficking? They're saying that the United States of America is one of the worst culprits of it. What is happening that we would think that another human being is only there to service us, to take care of what we want, to be our slave? That is a tragedy, and it's not the way of the Lord. And thank God that we have ministries that are fighting against that. And so it's sick. It's sick. Maybe work stoppages, maybe, uh, you know, the realization that they had lost their major workforce hit the people of Egypt. I don't know. But we do know the main issue here is that God hardened their heart. And so the Pharaoh made his chariot ready and he took his people. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. If you have an NIV, it says, we have lost their services. Oh no, our slaves are gone. Now I gotta make my own bed, cook my own pancakes. How do you work this shovel? What are we gonna do now? Now you would think that maybe a righteous people would say, oh, isn't it nice that Israel's finally free? We can figure this out. I can poach an egg. I, I can figure out how to do laundry. Some of you, your mothers are like, no, they... They can't figure it out. Anyway, that's a different story. But what do they say? We've lost our slaves. We, we, we need them back so they can serve us some more. This is how the mind that is debased can think about other people. Not that Israel's free to serve their God and worship him the way that they ought. But no, we need to re-enslave them for our pleasure. Do you know one of the major epidemics in our world today is sex trafficking? They're saying that the United States of America is one of the worst culprits of it. What is happening that we would think that another human being is only there to service us, to take care of what we want, to be our slave? That is a tragedy, and it's not the way of the Lord. And thank God that we have ministries that are fighting against that. And so it's sick. It, it's sick. Maybe work stoppages, maybe uh, you know, the realization that they had lost their major workforce hit the people of Egypt. I don't know. But we do know the main issue here is that God hardened their heart. And so the Pharaoh made his chariot ready and he took his people with him. Get my chariot. Boom. He hits the thing. Mount up. We're going after them. We're going to get our servants back. Now, some of you have to be thinking, really? What is this dude thinking? Hasn't he taken enough punches to the face? His own firstborn son is dead. He's watched 10 mighty plagues happen. What could he be thinking? Well, in ancient religion and even some religions today, in the pantheon of gods and goddesses, here's what people thought. They thought that the gods and goddesses were much like people. They fought with one another. They vied for positions and power. Some of you know some modern movies show stuff like this. What's all those movies? The uh, Avengers and all this stuff. And these are supposed to be godlike uh, you know, creatures that fight one another. Well, that's kind of how the ancients thought of it. They, they thought that they were much like people. And so Pharaoh might have been thinking, well, since they're wandering aimlessly, maybe the God of Israel abandoned them. Maybe he threw 10 mighty plagues against us and uh, now he's gone. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he decided to take a couple of weeks off. Maybe he's tired after the 10th plague. This is the way that they thought. 
And it could have been the reasoning of the Pharaoh. That's some conjecture. And so they, he mounts his chariot. They took 600 select chariots. That's the top of the line. That's the ancient tank in the, in the world. Remember, Israel doesn't even know how to fight. They probably don't even know how to use weapons. Here's the strongest military in the world, 600 choice chariots. All and all the other chariots of Egypt with, the, with officers over all of them. And now they begin to march. They've probably got thousands of chariots. We're going to see from other language here. Their army's been deployed and they are on the march. And Israel's on foot. And it's probably been only a couple of days, maybe a week or two at the most. And so Israel hasn't gotten far away from Egypt. And now the army's being assembled. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Now, you can imagine the sons of Israel had to be having a good day or a good week, right? They went out. They had the jewels. They had everything. They're, they're going to the promised land. Everything, everything's cool. My day's going good. But all of a sudden, you begin to hear something that sounds weird in the distance. It sounds like it could be an earthquake. It sounds like Maybe galloping horses, and all of a sudden you look, and on the horizon comes the Egyptian army, and you look back, and your son's out there boogie boarding in the Red Sea, but there's no place to go. If you watch Cecil B. DeMille's depiction of this, Yul Brenner, who's the Pharaoh, says, Well, their God is a poor general, isn't he? He gave them no escape route, trapped against the Red Sea, and here comes the biggest military in the world. Let me ask you, brethren, how would you respond? You're having a beach day. You laid out your little blankie. You got your crackers and your grapes and everything. Maybe, you know, your umbrella and all of that. And all of a sudden, the mightiest army in the world is coming and nothing between you and them except the only escape route is an ocean. And in the Jewish mind, the ocean, unpredictable and dark, at least this is some of the views of the ocean, was the last place you wanted to go to try to escape. And how would you do it anyway? Would you get in there and start swimming? Where are you going to go? Well, this is what Israel was facing. And so the Egyptians, uh, as we can surmise, chased after them with all their horses and chariots of Pharaoh, He had everybody there, it would seem. He had horses, he had chariots, he had officers, he had his army, horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea. It didn't take long. Of course, they traveled swiftly beside Pi-Haheroth in front of Baal-Zephon. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, probably an impressive-looking army, And they became very frightened. And if you can put yourself there just for a moment, I'm not sure most of us could even process the fear of a group of people, a big group of people, but they were not militarily trained and they were stuck. And here comes this army. Now, sometimes when our enemies are coming at us, we forget what we just read about, that there was a pillar of fire and there was the cloud, and God was with them. But sometimes we get so focused on the coming enemy, we forget that God's presence is with us. Amen? See, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. 
Paul, using a running imagery from the Olympic Games, has this idea in mind. We're, in, we're to fix our eyes on the finish line, the God who's the uh, originator and perfecter of our faith, instead of looking around at our other competition. And since we're in the middle of the Olympics, you know that if someone running looks around, they lose their pace, and they can get in big trouble. And in the moment, you, none of us can blame Israel. Would, you know, if you were there, I don't know how impressive your faith would be, but we've seen how impressive our faith can be in much smaller things, amen? Something goes wrong at work, on the freeway, in a relationship, and we're setting caravans back to Egypt, baby. Sometimes, do you realize how disappointed you can be with your own heart? How sometimes the smallest thing, you think you're a seasoned Christian and you run into some difficulty and it's nothing like this. It's not the Egyptian army and you're trapped against the sea and all of a sudden you see how weak your heart can be. You've been listening to Divine Guidance and Protection Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 13, 17 through 14, 4. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in other books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? Same if you're listening on podcast please click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll be a blessing for someone else you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you are a control freak. (laughs) Do you have control issues? We probably all do to a certain degree. Maybe instead of praying first, you pray last. It's the last possible resort when you've tried every plan imaginable. A, B, C, D, and dot, 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 dot. Well, I guess what I'd say is, how's that working for you? (laughs) Now, maybe sometimes you get things done and, and you solve it, but you don't want to solve things without the Lord, right? You always want to think about his direction for things. And so praying first is just a way of acknowledging, Lord, I'm moving in a certain direction, but I want to make sure it's your direction. Sometimes it will take waiting a little bit and making sure you're making a wise biblical decision. It could include some uh, counseling. And what I mean by that is getting some biblical counsel from a trusted friend in the Lord or a wise pastor, or you can fill in the blank. How do you fix the problem of not praying first? You just got to do it, man. You just got to decide. The next time I have a decision for me, before me, I am going to pray first. That's going to be my first inclination. Not to worry, not to control, but to pray. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we are walking through the book of Exodus. Hey, we have a fiscal year uh, in our ministry and church life. It actually runs uh, to the spring, to March 31st. Our goal this past year was to get at least half our budget supported by listeners, and we are nearly there. And I want to give a big shout out to our all of our monthly partners, our one-time givers. We had some wonderful uh, people step up and help us 
Janice from Calabasas, thank you for partnering at $25 a month. Linda in Utah has become a partner as well. And Johnny from Corona also has given a gift recently. Thank you, Johnny. And uh, here's where we are. We're about 75% funded, and we hope to raise the last $13,883.01 to be exact uh, by April 1st or March 31st, and we will have hit our goal for the year. Now, this is not the entire budget for radio. This is a portion that we budgeted, but we budgeted it by faith. And we're just praying that you can help us reach that goal. It's not, we're not very far away. When you think about numbers for radio ministries, uh, $13,883 is not a big number, but it's still a big number, if you know what I mean. But every little bit helps. And if you'd like to help us by becoming a monthly partner or even giving a one-time gift, we deeply appreciate it. Why should you give? Well, if if you believe in the ministry and the ministry has been feeding you and blessing you, you know, we're to share with those who are investing in us. And we want you to give first and foremost to your local church, of course. But if you would like to partner with us, you'd like to see more people be impacted by what you're hearing on Walk in Truth. Here's what you do. You go to walkintruth.com and click on the donate button, walkintruth.com. Click on that donate button. If we can answer any questions for you, the number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus thirteen seventeen through fourteen four, called Divine Guidance and Protection. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.